everybody. Welcome to the Book Leads Impactful Books for Life and Leadership. I'm your series host of Leadership Performance Coach, John Jermillo. This podcast series is about getting to the books that have impacted my network, expanding network, uh, friends, colleagues. I want to have these great leads to pick their brains about uh, the books that have made an impact on them that they've held, that the, the messages that they've read in these books, whether they're the author or a book that they've read, have really stood out in the work that they're doing, the life they're living. So it's work, business, uh, personal life, all of those worlds intermingle anyway. So it's something that really stands out. Um, so I really want to pick their brains and learn those messages. Uh, and for this series, there's three types of books that I've covered with my guests. The first book is a book that they're sharing with me that I haven't read. The second category is a book that we've both read, whether specifically for the series or one that we've read before the, the series started. And then the third category is when I have the author and or publisher of the book uh, to talk about the book, the messaging, how it came to be, how it changed them, just to learn a little bit about that message that I think you can't get from social media or just from shares that they might have. So diving deeper into that messaging. So for this particular episode, my guest is Holly Jean Jackson. And Holly is a revenue and performance consultant, international and TEDx speaker, podcast host of Inspiration Contagion, best-selling author and founder of Business Builder Throwdown. Her career spans from technology to communications, as well as organizational change, public relations, and content strategy. In her peak performance blueprint, she looks at whole at a holistic and logistical approach to success. Business owners hire her to master the art and science of real success because most lack direction, action, and results. And so she helps define and design a business roadmap for impactful visibility, intentional profitability, and endless sustainability. Now, I met Holly through publisher and business strategist, Laura DeFranco, whom I met while contributing to um, the book, The Ultimate Guide to Becoming a Successful Soul Professional, 22 Powerful Growth Strategies for Upleveling Your Soul Line Business, a book for which Laura was the publisher and Camille Miller, the lead author. And I had a conversation for an episode with Camille in episode 58 of this series. I hope to interview Laura. For now, I'm lucky enough to have Holly. So Holly, thank you so much for joining me. It's great to be here. And it's so funny. I've worked both with Laura and Camille. So it feels like I'm in good hands with John. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's funny with all the introductions that I've had during the pandemic, right? Because this is when the podcast started, when I started launching uh, the podcast and putting out episodes. This, It's amazing how this never-ending referral network of just great people that are out there and when I get a new introduction, we say, yeah, in a few weeks, we'll talk. And then when I get to that time where we have to have that meeting, I have to think back about where I met the person. Just because you keep your ear to the ground, people know what you're all about. They put trust in you. They trust the other person. They make that connection. And there are great hubs of people that are always just making those introductions. They know when two people should meet, when two people should collaborate. So we're lucky that we have those kind of people in our network. Absolutely. Laura is a wonderful connector and my book wouldn't be here without meeting her. So it's uh, really, really good people in her community. And the same here. I've got so many power connectors in my network where I meet cool people and realize how small the world is. Absolutely. So Holly, in terms of you, who are you today? Obviously I read your bio, but can you give me a little more about the work that you're doing, what that looks like with your clients? I like that. Who am I today? Hmm. <laughs> no. uh, so I'm a revenue and performance consultant. What that really means is 
a lot of business owners leave money on the table. And this includes authors and speakers as well who are using those modalities to grow their business, their nonprofit, their movement, their thing. And I find that they leave money on the table in five key areas. The first one is their lead generation process. Second area is their sales process. Then we've got their uh, customer experience. The fourth one is their employee experience. And then last but not least, their business excellence ongoing and legacy. And so I work with business owners who have hit a plateau of revenue and peak performance growth, um, as well as they have just really extreme lofty goals from a financial perspective. A lot of the clients that I work with are trying to grow a lot financially in their business so that they can support philanthropic arms of their business, whether it's a foundation or nonprofit as well. So I help them accelerate that path forward so that they're able to impact more people in a positive way. Awesome. And now to understand how you ended up doing what you're doing today, can you give me some background on when you were younger, whether it was education, family, not education, coincidence, what was it that got you started on your path into your career? Even if you knew it was going to lead to what you're doing today or you didn't know, what were those first couple steps into your career, whatever it may have been? What did that look like? Yeah, it's been a really windy journey, honestly. I started off going to college and getting my master's degree. And after I got my undergrad degree working in retail and thinking, gosh, I'm smarter than this. I, there's got to be something better than this. And I wasn't happy with not just the, the job that I had, but also the income level that I was at. So I went back and got my master's degree in public administration and then I worked in nonprofit for a bit, but moved to the West Coast with um, my husband at the time. His position moved us there and I needed to double my salary overnight. So then I started working with universities and corporate companies to be able to earn a higher income and just started climbing the corporate ladder. But at the same time, while my career was taking off and I was always a top performer at all my companies, I faced four layoffs over you know, pretty short time in my career. And I got really tired of being a top performer and basically an entrepreneur creating systems and solutions and programs for a company and then being let go. And yeah. I got really tired of that pattern alongside having some health challenges coupled with those layoffs and just realized that the corporate uh, environment just was not a fit for me. And ultimately that I wanted to help small and medium sized business owners have positive impact in the world instead. And so I started that, um, took on one more consulting contract for a year and a half. That was half time while I grew my business because, you know, it takes time to get it to move and mm -hmm. grow income and haven't looked back. What? So um, what was your undergrad studies in? Political science and urban studies with a minor in social work and music performance. What was it that um, kind of prodded you in that direction? What did that interest come in? That interest for my undergrad degrees. Um, I wanted to be an attorney initially. I did a semester in Washington, D.C. and hated it. Um, and I started a music performance. I played piano and clarinet and realized that I hated the juries and that I'd lose my passion for music if I did that professionally. So I dropped that social work. Um, I liked the interconnections with people, organizations and those structures. So that was just kind of fascinating, which I did as a minor. Um, 
And then the master's degree, I knew I wanted to do something in the public arena, like whether it be nonprofit, government, et cetera. Honestly, I thought I would go into local government, but discovered that as a politician, my skin wasn't thick enough and decided not to go that route. Was there family in politics and service in those arenas? Is that kind of where you got that sense for that, for that field, for that area? Um, no, I have an aunt that was a social worker. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur. He was a mechanic growing his business since I was young. Um, so I think that kind of gave me the entrepreneur spirit pretty young and seeing his work ethic and his pride and what he was creating. And in terms of the public sector, not really. I had uh, an uncle who's an attorney, but wasn't in like the public sector specifically. I think it was just something that I found fascinating and interesting from mentors or people I ran across. And yeah. Now for you looking back, does it make sense from your childhood that you're doing what you're doing today? Even if you didn't foresee it, even if it wasn't planned, even if the path there was like this, does it make sense that you, who you were as a kid, that this is what you would be doing? How do you reflect on that? Um, I don't know that it makes sense that since who I was as a kid that I'm doing this. Um, I think I had to go through all of the experiences in that windy path to be as good as I am at what I do today. Like if I hadn't worked in those industries, hadn't worked in those companies, hadn't faced those personal health challenges, hadn't done all of those things, I would not be nearly as good at what I do. So I don't know. I would never have in a million years guessed that, oh, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up. It was yeah. more the path that created that. Okay. Okay. Uh, as a leadership coach, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, what does leadership mean to you? Uh, leadership to me means one, that you're le living your life in a way that's in alignment with the team you're leading and that you're showing up authentically and walking the talk of what you do personally, professionally, but that also you're doing things in a way that inspire and lift up those around you instead of bringing them down. You bring out the best in the people around you and inspire them to be a better version of themselves. All right. Um, now we can dive into the book. Can you introduce your book and just give us um, some insight of how it came to be? Well, what was it that led up to the book? Yeah. So the book you know, here we go. Inspiration Contagion, Health Secrets for Raving Success. Um, <clears throat> has a campfire on it for a good reason. So the book came into creation. I've wanted to write a book since I was little. So that part, since I was a kid, is not surprising. I've been a writer since I was little. I've won awards for writing. I love writing. It's something I'm super passionate about. And it was on my heart to write a book for a long time. But every time I would start it, I wasn't able to get very far. I would stop or I'd get writer's block or I'd feel overwhelmed. And I started looking for a publisher. And my coach at the time said, you know, every time you try to force something, have you not learned to just let go and trust? And I said, okay, that's a good reminder. So I did. And shortly after that, I met Laura, who's my publisher. And Laura helped me get unstuck. She said, well, really, you're writing what you have is three books and you're trying to put it into one. So if we break it up into these three separate books and use this outline format, that will help you. So ultimately, she helped me get unstuck so that I could write that book. 
The book itself, the first one, is similar to my tagline of business, health, clarity, business. The first one's on health. And the book is basically my personal experience and journey with both physical and mental health challenges that I was struggling with. And really the secrets for anyone, whether you're facing chronic pain, you're struggling to have more energy, your sleep is off, your, your mental chatter is off. It gives you tools and structures and strategies throughout the book to be set up for success so that you know you can start that thing. And I found time and time again working with business owners that a lot of their challenges were that their, their health wasn't optimized. They were burning the candle at both ends. They were getting three hours of sleep. And of course, they can't show up as a leader that they want to be because they're not set up for success. So that's the short story of how the book came into fruition. And in terms of the design work, we I intentionally chose a campfire because the book is meant to be written from a perspective of healing in circles. And it's it's really inspiration contagion is not just a book, it's a movement. So I'm trying to bring together people that have faced challenges and overcome them, that people that want to focus on inspiration and good and healing over fear and worry and anxiety and the negativity of the world. So it has a campfire there. And, you know, the, the beginning of the book says, grab your favorite sweater, your favorite hot beverage. Let's snuggle up and let's have a conversation and go deep. And my podcast is also called the same thing, Inspiration Contagion, for that reason. Because I want to help people feel inspired and realize that even in those dark moments, there's still light. So you said uh, in your conversation with Laura, you you was it decided the there would be three books? Is this the first in the series? Is it the second? Mm-hmm. What where does this stand in the series? This is the first. The second one, I'm three chapters into writing. And I am not rushing that process because the first book, it was pretty fast and furious. And I want to enjoy the process for the second book. The second book is on clarity. And that one's going to take longer because I'm including case studies from folks I've interviewed on the podcast. Okay. Now, can you provide just an overview of Inspiration Contagion? What is the, what's the path? Like maybe some of the chapters, what is that journey you take the reader on? What does that look like? Yeah, good question. So there's actually a cool image that I had um, an artist design that represents the different chapters in the book. Very cool. And so it's got, you know, with the head self-talk. So we talk about mental chatter and um, how to overcome that and tools for that. It's got stress and anxiety because that affects your health and your energy. It has a chapter on food. Um, obviously what we eat and how we fuel our bodies impacts our health. And then it starts off with inspiration, of course, right? So how do we define inspiration? Why is inspiration important to your health and your well-being? Um, we also talk about self-care and how that's super important and scheduling time for that is essential. And there's a chapter on movement as well, because, you know, I don't, feel like we should just focus on exercise. It should also be just moving the body in natural ways. There's a section on health, just overall health and like the foundations and key elements for being healthy consistently. There's a chapter on how to thrive as well and just kind of integrate these into daily routines to consistently remain healthy. 
And there's also a chapter on navigating chronic health. So for folks who have chronic conditions or chronic diseases or chronic mental challenges, there is a chapter that has strategies uh, that will help you navigate that as well. So Holly, how long did you have to go through your particular health challenges? Like how much of your life was taken up by that? Um, Obviously, health, I see it as a common thread through everything that you're sharing right now. So how what did your challenge look like? So um, I would say I'm still still learning. Um, and it's funny when I have a new health challenge, my closest friends and family members will say, this really smart woman wrote this book and she said X, Y, and Z, and they're quoting my book. I'm like, thank you. Yes, I need my own medicine. So the book is not only for people who are on that journey, but for myself as a reminder, because you know your health, when it's When you're faced with a new challenge, it's very intimate. It can be a trigger for a lot of people. And so having those foundational elements is just really, really important. My health journey started very young. I was 15 and I had chronic back pain starting at a very young age and was seeing a chiropractor and specialist. And then in my early 20s, had a car accident. Somebody um, pulled out in front of me and I T-boned that car and my back pain got significantly worse to the point where I went through four years of physical therapy, pain clinics, injections, you name it, I tried it, and nothing worked. I eventually found a local surgeon who said, you have a 72-degree curve in your spine. That is not normal. It is not safe. That is why you're having so much significant pain. My suggestion is we do surgery. So your spine has many levels. 10 levels of my spine are fused, meaning they basically went in and broke those uh, levels of the spine, repositioned them with two metal rods of titanium and 16 screws. And I gained an inch and a half in height because my spine was that deformed from a genetic um, disease. So once I went through that, like that helped get rid of the nerve pain, but then I had a long battle with chronic pain. I mean, honestly, to this day, I'm still navigating pain. It's not as chronic. It's more manageable, but it's still there. It's not like it magically disappeared. I just know how to manage it naturally. And then I had trouble because the muscular pain, you change the structure of your spine and immobilize it to some degree. That creates muscular issues and it creates other issues around the body. And so I had um, a bit of an addiction to muscle relaxants for a year and I really lost myself to pain. And the book goes into this. It talks about how my best friend, Martina, who I'm seeing actually in two weeks, can't wait to see her. She had a hard conversation with me. She said, Holly, I love you. I'm not trying to minimize the pain that you're experiencing, but I don't recognize who you are anymore. And until you can get out of this hole, I I just can't be there to walk this journey with you. It's, it's really, it breaks my heart, but I can't be your friend because you're not you. And at first I got angry, but I sat with that and it was a wake up call. So then I began my journey to figure out how to not let chronic pain be the center focal point of my life. And it took years. I mean, it really did. I worked with cognitive behavioral therapists. I did self-help books I did all kinds of things. I, you know, got certified as a yoga instructor to figure out what yoga was safe for my spine. I took courses on, you know, personal development, spiritual development, all the things. 
And I got off of the addiction to muscle relaxants. I stopped letting pain be the focal point of my life. And, you know, today people are surprised when I say I have a 10 level spinal fusion because I go rock climbing and I go backpacking and I travel and I do all these things and they would never in a million years guess that I have that challenge. But the book talks to not just about the spinal fusion, that's pretty significant, talks about endometriosis, which I still have that pain every cycle that I have. It's extremely painful and, and challenging. Um, it talks about a severe concussion that I had that took a year to recover from and couldn't work for nine months, couldn't drive for six months. So um, yeah, I have lived a very interesting life with a lot of health challenges. And so uh, my hope is that this book helps people who either just want to optimize their health or they're, they're facing really extreme health challenges or injuries or chronic pain to show them that there is still inspiration and hope and, and light at the end of the tunnel. Holly, when did the bulk of that take place? Meaning like the surgeries, uh, your conversation with Martina, was that like in a certain decade, twenties, thirties? When, when did that take place? I'm just always curious in terms of where someone is in their general life development when they get hit with something like that. Um, the back surgery, I was in my early 20s. The conversation with Martina was probably mid-20s, early to mid-20s. Um, the concussion was late 20s, early 30s. And I mean, there are a lot of other things in the book. Like I, endometriosis was, I think, early 30s. I was diagnosed with that and had significant chronic pain from that. I still have pain from that. That's really difficult each month. What is that, Holly? I, I hear it all the time, but I know I don't know the specific definition of what it is. So endometriosis is not very well researched, but essentially it's where you have um, the cells of the uterus grow outside of the uterus so that every time you have your cycle, you're essentially bleeding, not within that organ. Which it's kind of, imagine if you have a cyst, if you've ever had a cyst that's ruptured, it's like that every single month. It is excruciatingly painful. And it's interesting, they've had a couple cases of men that have had endometriosis because they somehow had uterine cells in their bodies. Um, very rare, but it is possible, so. Okay. And then I was just curious, where does the book fall in terms of that? How long after all those experiences did you start writing the book? When did the book come out? First of all, the book came out last January. Okay. So, um, and then was it a project that started during the pandemic or was like kind of percolating even before that? Uh, I started the book just seven months before that. So it was really, really fast. I wrote it in three months. I just dedicated an hour to two hours of writing every single morning, even while I was traveling. And then, you know, the whole editorial process was super intense and fast because we wanted it to launch in January because the new year is a perfect time aligned for health for a book launch. And we also had a lot of interviews lined up to promote the book and launch the book for January. And so it was a, a fierce timeline for the editorial process and all the other things you have to do to be ready for that. And then one more question that comes to mind is, because of all your experiences, because of how you were inspired from your experiences to put this book together, how do you decide what to include in the book in terms of chapters? How did you decide how to lay out that the journey, the path for the reader? Yeah. Um, so I started with the outline and that's why it was easy to write. As soon as I had the outline, 
it it was helpful. So the outline is basically what I felt was the best order of chapters. And that's why it starts, you know, with inspiration. And then it goes to kind of a general health overview. And then it goes into some specific things. And chronic uh, pain is at the end, right? And thriving is at the end. And it was just what I felt like was the most natural progression for the reader. And each of the chapters also has tools they can download and actually take real action on. And there's 20 different tools that you can download within the book. And if you actually use these, they're incredibly powerful. The outline also has key stories that I just kind of put bullet points around that I wanted to include in each of the chapters. The whole point was for it to be incredibly authentic and vulnerable and real and raw so that other people who were suffering and struggling realized they weren't alone. And I will not lie, it was a very, very vulnerable and uh, difficult at times book to write because there's, there's stories about, um, you know, verbal abuse from the marriage that I was in. There's, there's a lot of really sensitive topics and I really had to step up and be very brave which why it was perfect that Brave Healer Productions was helping me promote it. So, Holly, those tools that you mentioned, can you go through maybe just two of them, what the tool is and how it applies to uh, the section in your book um, and your own story? Maybe just two of them, just to get an idea of what somebody can find in the book. Sure. Um, well, one of my favorite ones is people don't value sleep. And so... The chapter I have on sleep is actually kind of highlighting some things from uh, a lot of readings that I've read, but we talk about the importance of sleep and why you need to be getting, you know, six to seven hours of sleep a night to heal your body. And ultimately, if there's one thing you emphasized in your health, it's it truly should be your sleep because your sleep is going to move the needle on everything else. It allows you to heal and restore overnight mentally, physically, emotionally, all the things, and you process things. So one of the tools is, um, I think it's like seven or nine strategies to getting better sleep. So you can download that and print that out and use that. It's super powerful. It helps you, you know, set up a routine and, and stick to it and rule things out that you should be avoiding for having better sleep hygiene. So there's a few different sleep tools, but that's one of them. And it's really important that you emphasize sleep. Um, another one that comes to mind is for self-talk. Uh, that chapter talks about our mental chatter and there's some affirmation download tools you can use to kind of start shifting negative talk to positive self-talk. And there's also a strategies worksheet on identifying when negative self-talk is coming up. So those are a few that I can share. That's awesome. I love the fact that, um, that your friend was telling you, hey, there's this book that was written and it turned out being your own book. Because it just shows that even if you have insight on how to approach something, even as a coach, you have an insight on how to think about something, how to step back. Every once in a while, you need that reminder for yourself. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've read my own book. Every time I face a new health challenge, I have it on my bedside table and I, I take my own medicine. And that's the thing is I want to inspire others to walk the talk of what they teach and mm. and to be that authentic. And that means that oftentimes what you're writing is the medicine you need. Yeah. And sure, it's going to help others, but 
remember equally that we can't see our own blind spots and it's so easy to be pulled back into the thing that we're teaching. And so read your own book, take your own medicine, remember that. And it's, it's interesting because while the book has helped so many people and I have incredible reviews that when I have rough days, I read those and I'm like, okay, I'm doing good in the world. Um, it's, it's a tool for me. I've learned yeah. so much and it's helped me be more powerful in my practice with my consulting clients. It's helped me have more tools to you know, set them up for success and it helps me be the best version of me continuously. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. That's what this series is to me. It started in as one kind of project. Like it was just kind of like, ah, let me put my face out there, learn about some books, network a little. And now it's kind of like, I consider all these like a master class. I'm, it's just very much transformed who I am. Um, like you said, it when you read it, when you read it back to yourself or when you listen back to it, whatever it may be, anything you've worked on when you've put that passion into it and you look at it again and take it in again, you look at it differently. You see things you didn't see before. Um, you may be writing a book or working on a, pod a podcast and you know, I, I operate in the mindset that anything that I work on, step away and work on, whether it's writing or podcasting, when you step back into your personal life or your work, you're just a better person for having done that other work. Like you can carry that. You get that good energy out of you and it just transforms because this has made me a better person, I'd like to think. Maybe some people would disagree. I don't know. But talking to you all, the authors or non-authors, just talking to you about your experiences, your life, your path the ups and downs, the books that you've written or read, the lessons that you're sharing. Again, it started with one goal in mind, just to kind of collect these books that people in my network think are great. But I, I, I'm focusing and taking so much more away from the stories that you all are sharing. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. My podcast, too, um, started off as a way to hold myself accountable to writing the book. And I didn't know it was three books at the time, right? That was way before I met Laura. And during the pandemic to spread inspiration, healing, and hope when it felt like there was nothing but fear and darkness and disconnection. And that's why I came out with the name Inspiration Contagion. And what's ironic is it just started as that. And it's really the fuel for the books. It's the fuel for the movement. It's the fuel for the future nonprofit I'm starting. And it became such a bigger thing. And, and yes, it's ebbed and flowed, but I also agree that the people I bring on as guests to my podcasts are equally inspiring. I mean, it just reminds me of all the good that is being done in the world versus looking at all the crap on the news that's yeah. just so negative and life sucking i want to lift people up and ignite them into their leadership style so that they can have that ripple effect in their community absolutely i think with all the toxicity in the world you know especially the last seven eight years whatever it is um yeah i kind of have turned off like the news the national news the global news i have general ideas of what's happening but in the end, none of it contributed anything to what I was doing. Yes, election knowledge to go and vote for whoever has the message that resonates with me. But aside from that, um, I like the fact that I kind of have tuned out of that to focus more inward to myself and my network, kind of just amplifying all the positive people that not toxic positivity, like everything's perfect, but the people that are trying to make that difference in the world, set the world alight create movements and just make everybody lift everybody up much, much like you said. Yeah. And I mean, I, I definitely 
I mean, you've heard, I've had quite a few challenges. Um, I'm incredibly vulnerable and open and raw about what's really happening in my life and my business. And quite frankly, that's what connects people. Stories connect people. Being real connects people. Connection is what humans thrive for. They desire it. That's what fuels us. And so during the pandemic, there was so much disconnection and I wanted to build something the opposite of that to reconnect people, to remind them to step into what they're meant to be here for, you know, creating that business, that nonprofit, that thing and, and to ignite that. And, and that's why when I interview leaders on my podcast, it's really, you know, what inspires you? What's your secret sauce? Like, how do you define inspiration? How do you define success on your own terms? And what's the legacy you want to leave behind? Mm -hmm. These are questions most people don't ever stop and truly contemplate on their own terms. They let society, mentors, leaders, bosses define for them. And to me, that's what this is all about. And it's not just the one book of the Inspiration Contagion series. It's it's really about igniting more leaders to do good in the world and have a ripple effect. I mean, if you just consider the questions you outlined for your guests, like, do you know that about the people in your circle? Not business leaders, not CEOs. Do you know that? Do you know the answers to those questions? And I don't mean just you, Holly, but anybody. Do you know those answers for people that are closest to you in the world? Like what inspires them? What they? I'm, I'm thinking about that right now. I value my friends, my closest circles. I would do anything for them, but have I really asked them, like, what is it that really gets them started and gets them going? So I think those are great questions to have for those leaders. And at the same time, just whoever's next to us in this, this game of humanity, if you will. Yeah. Well, and if you go back to the question you asked earlier, like when you were little Holly in retrospect, do you, would you imagine you'd do this? Like in terms of asking the deep, hard questions? Yeah. Like I was like that since I was little, I'm kind of an old soul. And so I've always been the person that I'm not going to talk to you about the leather. I mean, sure. If you want to get started, <laughs> but cool. But I'm like, Hey, what are, what's the next project that lights your soul on fire that you're going after? Like how, what's going on in your world today? I'm not like, how are you? I'm like, what is new in your world? Like, I really want to know. And, and I ask the hard questions, you know, what do you want to be remembered for? Mm. What is the legacy? What are you doing today to get there? Why are you getting in your own way? Like who, who do you need to ask permission to do that? Yeah. Thing? And that's what I was trying to get at with that question that you say, yeah, like knowing who I was as a kid, it makes sense that I'm the one asking, not just taking the facade, not just taking the superficial, not just taking what's there, but really you know, not the, not the everyday bullshit of how's the weather or just a recap of your day, but how are you doing? What's up with you? What's what's important to you? So that's that's what I was trying to get to with that question is, does it make sense? Like what what pieces from your childhood? Because I'm always interested in someone's past, even that far back, because that's where like the magic sauce is of what we can bring to this world that kind of gets programmed out of us in high school, college and all that. And then we come back to who we were as a kid. So that was the connection that I was looking for when I posed that question. Yeah, it took a second. I mean, in terms of the the intuition, I've always had that and I had to relearn that because like you said, it gets programmed out of us. That's always been who I am. Um, but the rest of it, I did have to go through those experiences. The, the intuition part, the writing part, the asking hard questions, like that's always been there. Mm. The rest of it was layered on in that very windy path. Um, I would not have guessed that I would have been a professional speaker. The writing part's not surprising. 
um, the coaching and working with business entrepreneurs, speakers, and authors is a little surprising, but uh, it makes sense now. But when I was little, it did not make sense. Awesome. Now I'm always curious with the with the authors that I bring on, um, and you've you've mentioned your journey before the book, during the book, after the book, going back to the book, reading it yourself. But during the writing process, how did it change you? Or not even the writing process, just the writing and publication of this book. How did your view of the material, your view of the lessons, how did that change you? What lessons did you take away from it? Some authors that I've spoken to have spoken to the actual writing. Um, and they've also mentioned how their ideas or views may have changed or altered during that process. So what is it that you take away from that process? How did it change you, if at all? Uh, it changed me a lot. I mean, we could spend hours on that part alone. Um, it, it was very healing. It helped me process and put to bed some difficult times in my life. It helped me um, strategically put together resources that were in my head but hadn't been created yet in a step-by-step -step roadmap that worked for others in a very intentional way. Um, it helped me have that roadmap for having the best health possible. And also it, it was a huge, huge bucket list item for me to be a published author and to do that with a publisher like Laura with Brave Healer Productions was just so perfectly serendipitously spiritually aligned. And that was just magic. It was incredible. And I think also the process of uh, publishing it was, it's funny, I didn't think it would be stressful launching the book, which is really funny to hear you say like, of course, that's stressful. Um, and I remember I was traveling with my partner at the time. And we were uh, traveling internationally. And he said, do you think it's a good idea to do this right before your launch? I'm like, Oh, it's fine. It'll be great. Yeah. So that was really stressful. It took more of a toll um, stress-wise to get like the marketing launch really pushed and go through that. And it was, you know, a number one bestseller in three or four categories. Um, and it, it did performed really well. We have, you know, quite a few reviews, had tremendous support. Also, the people you think that are going to support it, not all of them do. And that's hard. Uh, so that was difficult. My partner broke up with me right like two weeks after the book published and he was in the book and stories and in the acknowledgments. So imagine going through interviews and I wasn't ready to share that because I was still processing that and grieving that experience at the time. So I had to pretend, <laughs> which was exhausting, which I don't really do, but I just wasn't ready to publicly go there. So that was also difficult. So I felt like the celebration was very delayed and because I had so much going on and I thought that the launch wouldn't be so stressful. So I think it took me six months to nine months to actually acknowledge how big of a deal it was to publish the book and that it was real. And it took kind of my family having this book signing family party thing and people that I didn't know very well asking me to sign the book or just people I randomly met through networking saying they ordered a copy of the book and how it changed their life. And then, you know, reviews coming in of how it helped people that were facing cancer and people that had chronic, you know, pain or disease, how 
they gifted it to their mother or their sibling. And I mean, just saying this, like I'm getting goosebumps because it's just, it was so worthwhile, but it took me such a long time to like actually celebrate and acknowledge that that was real. Yeah. Hey, I mean, like you said, just some events took place. It kind of tripped you up and delayed all that for a while, but I'm glad that you were able to, to take away all that, uh, that appreciation for your book. Um, Holly generally, so I've taken a lot from what you've shared. Um, but just in recapping the book, what are the lessons? How would you recap? How would you paraphrase or, or just kind of convey a brief message of what you're hoping people take away from this book? Ooh, that's a tough one. Let's see. I think what I want to do is read what one of the people on the back said, because that, that encapsulates it really well. So, um, all right. In inspiration contagion, Holly shows us the trail she took to escape from the boom and bust cycles of chronic pain, business ups and downs and relationships that strangled her personal and professional growth in the modern technological era where we've lost something. That feeling of sitting around the campfire, passing down our knowledge and sharing our storage stories. The true connection we all crave is as much a product of our health as it is our situations. And Holly maps out ways to fix the parts of our life holding us back from our true potential. From bear attacks to medical mis misery, she has endured many trials and designed strategies to stop hiding from our pain and face it head on so we know it no longer defines us. In her words, you can have a seat around the campfire to learn how she did it and how you can benefit from her experiences and expertise. And that's from Matt Rouse. I'm sorry, not to bring up painful experiences, but did you say bear attack? Yes, I knew that. I was like, wait. <laughs> uh, what? what happened? Yeah, so the book starts with the bear story um, and my TEDx also starts with that. So I... When I was going through my divorce, which is a very painful part of my life, I decided to go on a backpacking trip alone. And I'd been backpacking before many times, but not alone. And honestly, I thought the scariest part of that trip would be just facing my own thoughts, my own mental chatter and anxiety. But the, th the third day, yeah, the third day of that trip, I got to this really beautiful lake. This is in Lassen National Park in California and hadn't seen people all day. And that morning I was hiking a little ways away and I'd camped overnight with this group of guys who um, warned me about a bear that was acting very unusual. And they said, this is how you charge a bear. And I said, I have never heard of charging a bear. Like, that's crazy. They're like, well, here's how you do it over coffee. So they go on their merry way. And then I <laughs> go my merry Yes, over coffee. <laughs> it's campfire coffee. <laughs> that's also why the book is based around the campfire. Um so I start hiking and like four hours into my hike and I'm heading back to civilization. Um, I noticed some fresh paw prints on the ground and the, the trees were getting like super thick. You couldn't really see around the corner on the trail. And as I continued hiking, I noticed another set of uh, fresh paw prints and they were really small. And I was like, oh, that's why this bear is a, it's, it's a mama bear with a baby. Mm. And I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I, Turned the corner on the trail and there was mama bear and she immediately began charging towards me. I thought I was going to die. I remember life like time kind of pausing and going very slow. 
And the thoughts that I thought were very interesting, I, I was like, okay, if I'm going to die, it's a really good time. Cause I went out there and did my spiritual inventory for my step study on codependency. I was in from that marriage feeling. And I had forgiven a lot of people, myself included. I was like, this is a good time to go. Like it's a fresh slate. It's okay. But then I'm like, well, I didn't come out here to die. I came out here to restart my life fresh. And so I got really angry and I did all the normal things, making noise, holding my ground. None of it was working and she was charging and closing the gap. So I listened to what the guys over coffee taught me and I took a step forward and I, you know, made myself big and I'm like, <sighs> like really loud. I'm not going to scream into the microphone, but like, <laughs> like roaring like a bear. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So was it just a, <laughs> Like, okay. No, I was like, ah, right. <laughs> um, I don't want to like scream as loud as I yeah, was on the yeah. stage, but yeah. And so uh, she stopped and she looked at me um, and then she started charging me again. And at this point, I basically, again, time went really slow and said <laughs> a quick prayer to God. I was like, God, if I'm going to die, make it fast. I don't want to be out here like limbless or headless, like slowly dying. Just make it fast. And then I got angry again. I was like, I'm not ready to die. So once again, I stood my ground really loud towards this bear. It probably sounded like two bears in the woods fighting. And it worked the second time. So she stopped and she walked away and I held my ground for what felt like an eternity. And then as soon as I knew she was gone for good, I ran until I ran into people. Wow. Yeah. That's a hell of a story. That's that's a good opener right there. It is a hell of a story. It's also um, the the 10th chapter, the, the chapter on chronic pain in the book was my um, jumping point for the TED Talk. So I distill the seven strategies on navigating chronic pain into my fear method, which is for a forced you know, step process, super simple. And it helps you face anything, uncertainty, pain, challenge, et cetera. And it starts with a bear story and it teaches the four steps, you know, face it, embrace curiosity, advocate, activate your mindset and reach out for support and community. And, and it ends with, you know, her charging me again and how essentially any fear or fear or challenge you have in your life, any bear you have in your life, if I can face a real bear in the woods and live, you can face the fear that you have in your life today. Oof. I love that. I love that. I love the way that sets it up for just anybody to think about. And yeah, just the, the, the juxtaposition of the physical actual bear and then everything else that we fear in life. So that's a great lesson. Yeah. Holly and wrapping up, what are you up to these days? Is there anything that you want to share? Anything that I might not have asked or missed anything at all? Yeah. What I'm up to a lot of things right now, John. So, um, I have a, an amazing online community I built called your message matters. I have monthly networking events that are free for people who are excited about getting their message into the world, whether they're speakers or authors so you can find that on LinkedIn or social media. Um, I am growing my business rapidly and working with some really freaking amazing, badass business owners around the world who are doing incredible positive things and having ripple effects in their communities and scaling my business further to support more of them. Um, the second book I'm working on. So stay tuned. If you want to hear about that, I'm sure I'll start that book launch list sometime this year. Cause I think it'll publish next year and that'll be on clarity, legacy and leadership. And yeah, check out the fear TEDx, just Google Holly Jean Jackson TEDx and you'll see that. 
uh, so that you can face your fears. And of course, grab a copy of the book for yourself or for somebody in your life that needs better health, better sleep, is <clears throat> dealing with chronic pain, is dealing with some sort of health challenge. I guarantee it's going to help them see it in a better, more positive light and not take years like it did for me of being stuck and lost in health challenges and pain. Yeah, I'm going to look up that TED Talk to see how loudly you scream. <laughs> I um, scream really. I had like coaching on that. And <laughs> Helen Moses, one of my fellow uh, TEDx speakers, she's a voice specialist. And I remember practicing with them. And they're like, Holly, you have to scream a lot louder. And so I did a lot of practice, but I'm not going to. That would be very loud as a microphone. <laughs> That's all. I'll, I'll check it out. Um, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? I apologize. I just, it was something that you were, you were recapping, but um, in any case, Holly, thank you so much for your time for sitting down and sharing just about your book. Um, and you know, obviously it's going to be uh, you have a couple more books coming out, but in covering your book, inspiration, contagion, health secrets for raving success. Um, I think the other point I just wanted to make was just, I love how based on what you experienced, your realizations, the discoveries you made through your curiosity, um, I think when people do come up with, come up against anything that they fear, whether it's pain or not, um, they don't have, I don't think they have, I don't know, there are stories out there, but I think somebody walking them through how to look at it because they've experienced it, they've lived it, they've survived it, they're making their way through it, uh, that they don't have to just quit or they don't just have to throw themselves into medication um, but just that mindset of just thinking about it differently. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, know, I, I use the fear method every day. Like when I'm doing rock climbing and I'm scared, I'm like, wait, you faced a freaky bear in the wood. Use the fear method. Come on, Holly. And yeah, what you write is what you need as your own medicine. And there's nothing you can't face. If I can charge a mama bear in the woods, what is holding you back from creating that business, from writing that book, from doing that thing? Absolutely. Such a great message. And for anybody watching and listening, if there's anything that I might've missed, um, anything at all questions I should have asked, or you're curious about, just please reach out to me. I'll reach out to Holly, see if I can get some kind of feedback or information from her based on anything that I do get. But in the meantime, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.